In the 1950s, fear and violence escalate as the people of Algeria fight for independence from the French government. We're talking movies, we're talking The Battle of Algiers, starring Bram Khajid, Jean Martin, and Yusuf Saadi, written by Franco Solanas and Gilo Pontecorvo, who also directed. Gentlemen, believe me, it's a vicious circle. We could talk for hours to no avail, because that isn't the problem. The problem is this. The FLN want to throw us out of Algeria, and we want to stay. It's hard to start a revolution, even harder to continue it, and hardest of all, to win it. But it's only afterwards, when we have won, that the true difficulty begins. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? If you uh, have been listening to our show for a while, you'll know that around Remembrance Day, we try to always do anti-war films or films that do not glorify violence. Uh, so this year, we're going to be doing The Battle of Algiers, which is like a classic a classic film around uh, colonialism and you know revolutionary spirit. Uh, which uh, right now I think is pretty suiting, uh, continuing what's going on in the world. So, Scott, let's get into this film. Take it away. Yeah, um, it is kind of a heavy topic to discuss. And anybody who's listened to our podcast, these are usually the episodes that I fucking dread because most of the movies Chris picks are super boring. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Are the anti-war films I pick are not more exciting for you. I'm, I'm sorry. About that. Like, listen, you can play, pick battleship, <laughs> you know, people fighting against aliens. Uh, but yeah, like with this one, um, it, it, it was, it was good. Like, and I think, what made it good and what made it resonate a lot is the pseudo documentary filming that they, they did like, uh, I, I thought it was literally a doc, um, going through it until we finished until I finished it. And then was doing the research for this episode and seeing that it wasn't, they even, I even saw when they released this in, um, in the States originally back in the, the 60s uh it had um uh, a disclaimer that said not one foot of newsreel was used while they were, were filming this film and that is amazing because it, it, it engrossed me and, and i obviously i'm not the history buff that you are so i didn't really know about this this battle until to watching it but yeah it was it was uh I don't want to say an interesting movie to watch, but it was, you know, I can see why it was, um, it's revered as it is now. So I, I, I would say it's a, it's an interesting film and I agree with you. I think all the critics agree with you that it is the way that it's shot. It, it feels like you're there. It feels like documentary footage. The fact that it is not like, it's all fake. Like they, you know, everything is staged uh, the, like you said, they did not use any, like there, there's no intercutting with news footage. Like the fact that even like when the French army, when the paratroopers show up like that, they shoot that like 
it would have looked like when the French army actually showed up. Like it's uh it's, so it's a beautiful film. The, the black and white quality is fantastic. Um, you feel like not only are you there, but they also, it's weird because like France is basically colonized Algeria up to that point, And this battle in the capital city of Algiers, they still try to take this neutral position, right? Like they don't make the French out to be any worse than they were. And they almost try and show like what the like logic of the French officers are in dealing with what they're considering terrorism and the um, the F it's it's the F is it the FLQ no no it's not that's in Quebec. FLN FLN thank you uh, again another revolutionary movement um, they're trying showing them as terrorists but the FLN is showing themselves obviously as freedom fighters and there's a line. Where Colonel Philip uh, Matho, played by Jean Martin, uh, basically goes on about how, you know, they want to call us Nazis and they want to do this. And he's like, but we fought Nazis in the French resistance. And, like, we understand what it means to be colonized ourselves in, in a way. And I thought that was such a great way to approach this because it would have been very easy to paint one side as good one side is just all bad and i think then it doesn't resonate the same way it does and i think the advantages of the fact that it's not a french director or an algerian director it's an italian director right so they don't have direct skin in the game like i think it would have been very challenging even for a french director to either again either totally demonize the French, like take like a a hundred percent Algerian approach. You mean Algerian? No, no, no. Or the other way, right? Like a French director could either be super, super pro French or super, super anti French. And I think having it in the hands of an Italian director gave it the nuance that, that war has that conflict has, I mean, often like, again, I, this is not a political podcast, so we're not going to go down that. So I think that, for this event, historical event, they did a very, very good job of showing how what each side was bringing to the table. Yeah, like um, it's the old adage, right? You can't have a war without war crimes, right? And you saw that, like you said, it was very, um, it was down the middle. It, it wasn't really pro anybody. And you saw the viciousness that each, side of the conflict did you saw the torture that the french uh soldiers were doing to the captives and you saw the um fln when they were just in um what was called the vans just like pretty much just gun downing civilians yeah or blowing Um, up uh, like little cafes and disco well they wouldn't have been discotheques but you know i mean like little markets mm -hmm. and, and using explosives against the civilian population yeah so uh, and that's the thing like it didn't glorify yeah it didn't glorify each each of the actions and in reality by the end of it 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 demonized both right because they they would undercut it with like the um, the little like uh subtitles or sub cube and it'll be like kind of like what the un was like thinking or was responding it was like oh we hope that you know this can be resolved uh, diplomatically instead of that. And then just seeing how it kind of like broke down and then how it um, eventually resolved after the fact, right? Like I'll say like the acting was fucking 
great like in this if so if I, you I, I want to talk about that because i so I, when i was doing my notes for this this is shocking okay so jean martin plays the colonel he it, the the actual person was in the french resistance <laughs> and he also was a paratrooper in indochina which is vietnam prior to the french leaving so you've got an actor playing a paratrooper colonel who was a paratrooper and then the you have a uh, sadi yasif who uh was uh basically playing the leader of the fon who literally was an Algerian independence fighter, and he served as um, as the leader of the National Liberation Front during the co- the country's War of Independence. So these fucking two guys aren't even really acting; they're just basically being themselves because they were in or near those events in real life, which is fucking crazy. And it shows; like they feel so real. Um, and honestly, also like. Uh, Brahim Ragag, uh, who plays Ale Lapointe, like, man, he's like this kind of like cool revolutionary fighter. Like, I mean, like on that side, they do just such a great job of like making him feel like, like the picture perfect revolutionary fighter. He's got the like dark kind of handsome look and like he kicks ass and takes names and like he did a fantastic job. Yeah, somewhat. But they also did like... um... Like, it wasn't, but I called it, like, the walk of shame kind of thing when he, like, close to the beginning when it, like, flashes back to him, like, kind of his recruitment, how they recruited him into that thing. And, he, you know, he's getting arrested and it's all the um, pretty much who he was, like, before it. And they're like, oh, he's illiterate. He can't read. He has no education. He used to be a bricklayer. He used to be this. He used to be that kind of thing. And then just seeing, because um, that went on for, like, two two minutes where it was just, like, technically him being escorted towards the camera, and it just, like, got closer and closer to his face. Uh, and then until he get into it. And then even that scene when... um when it was like his initiation where he had to like they with do the like the um yeah with the it was kind of like the the guy richie kind of th- kind of motive i guess I'm, and maybe this is where richie got from it is where they're talking about what he's gonna do while you're watching it like okay you're gonna go here you're gonna see a, a police and you're just seeing like it's like a narration and they're like uh talking and then you see the woman has a basket she's gonna hand you a gun and you're gonna shoot him in the back but then you know his cockiness kind of backfires where he goes instead of shooting him to the back he like goes in front so you know the cop can see his face kind of thing and that's when he like realizes it was it wasn't loaded and he was like you bitch you set me up yeah if he would have just done what he was told he wouldn't have gotten arrested but because yeah because he was like one well he didn't get arrested they escaped oh sorry yeah he thought they were setting him up to get killed yeah 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 Yeah, sorry you're you're right about that but if he would have just done what he was told the gun wouldn't have gone off. The police officer wouldn't have known. They would have known that he was trustworthy. But yeah, like his arrogance, basically, and his wanting the, you know, colonial police officer to know, like, look, this is the the face of death. This is what you will see before you die. And then click. <laughs> and that, that scene has such great tension, too, because you're like, you, you think you know what's going to happen. 
And unfortunately, if you like, it'll still be good when you see it. If you listen to this podcast, I should I should have probably put it in a spoil alert um, because like I did not expect what happened to happen. And then I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's here. fucked. But yeah, that, that's the thing. Um, like with this film, too, like. Like it kind of puts some. Um, uh, what what do I want to say? Some resentment I have now towards you because you're like, hey, you can rent this from Apple. So then I'm like, hey, this is on the Crichton collection and I can just subscribe and get for seven days, just watch it for free. And then, and then. I'm, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I'm sorry. I wasn't concerned about your, your very tight finances over there. But, uh, but that's <laughs> the thing. Once I subscribe and I see all the shit that's on here, I'm like, motherfucker, this is going to be a bit before I unsubscribe this. Like there's a shit ton of like old and recent, like good fucking films. Oh, like, and Criterion co- collection. Yeah. 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 I, I, I didn't realize this was in the Criterion collection until I had already rented it. And then mm. I was like, oh shit. Uh, whatever. Like, I think it cost me three dollars. It's it, it was fine. Um, yeah. Now it's going to cost me fourteen ninety nine a month. Yeah, and you'll forget to <laughs> you'll forget to unsubscribe to that. Uh, so my quote this week is from Eric Hines from the Village Voice, and he says it uses realism as an effect, documentary as a style. You feel that you're really there, and you can't help but be moved. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, I highly recommend this film for anybody who's like into film. Or into you know history, whether it's military history or not. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think this is the type of thing you're just gonna like throw on for your fam jam to like chill out and watch on a, I don't know, Sunday afternoon or something like that. I mean, it it would be probably good for them. It's definitely a good history lesson. Um, but yeah, anybody who's interested in like the history of cinema, again, or like geopolitics, any of this type of stuff, like this is a very important film. It's also really important in the history of revolutionary activity in this, in the fifties, sixties and into the seventies. Um, I mean, I miss, miss said the FLQ, which is the separatist movement that came out of Quebec here in Canada. And I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about that lately. And a lot of those dudes uh, watched this film to kind of give them tips and it was like the go-to film for like the black panthers and all those people in the 60s and 70s that were doing revolutionary work it was like their hype movie they're like we're gonna go watch this fucking film and watch the french basically eventually lose you know what i mean and and kind of get them like jazzed up and again it it is basically a how-to guide of how to run a revolutionary movement because the french show you like why it's so difficult to break up an organization that's created in cells, the triangles. Right. So, I mean, you could just watch that and be like, okay, so this is how we have, do we do asymmetrical warfare? You know what I mean? So you just what you could just watch that movie and then you could apply it and then you can go do revolutionary shit. You know what I mean? Well, let's put a context in terms of what the revolution shit you want to do is, um, but yeah, I, I I'm not gonna lie. I do find it weird that like like you're saying that this is this was a hype movie for all these people because you know all the leaders of this revolution die before the end of the movie. So I don't, I don't know why you want to hype yourself up knowing you you know you're probably gonna die. Is Al- but, is Algeria a country now? Yes, that's right. That's why it's a hype movie because in the end it worked. 
is Vietnam well, a country now? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was, this I is why these is, people is thought Quebec this was like a hype now? movie. <laughs> but here, here's the thing that I thought was kind of interesting about this. Like a couple of tidbits while doing research. One, like this movie was banned in France for a while. Um, uh, so... But also, it's one of the few films in Oscar history to be nominated in two separate non-consecutive years. It I don't was... even know how that happens. <laughs> yeah, me neither. That's why. I, that's why I wanted to ask you if you would know, because you're like, like I don't know. Did the, maybe for, the for Academy that. had different rules then, because this was listed as a, a foreign film as well. So, uh, because I think the two, it, it was the. The two first, years apart yeah 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 so it's got it got its best foreign film and best screenplay nominations and then i believe it was the next year it got a best director nomination again i don't know if they had a different time frame because like now it's kind of like a 365 day period boom like there's no there would be no way well, for this. I, yeah that's what i was gonna ask you because uh foreign film was two years before i'm like so could you back then i don't know if you still could now um but you know, if you were, if your film released in, like, say, France in that year, you submitted as foreign film. But when it gets picked up and released in the U.S. two years later, let's mm. say, can you then resubmit it? Because now it's not a foreign film; it's in your market, right? And that's why then it got nominated for screenplay and direction. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what? You actually might be onto something there. That's some. That's some. That I th- I can't find anything wrong with that logic. It's quite possible. Again. Because uh, nowadays not... it's all released at the same time. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? You might be onto something. Uh, if anybody's listening to this and actually knows an answer to that, you know, hit us up on uh, you know either social media or at our website or whatever. Um, this is such a like amazing film, and it's got a fantastic score by the man <laughs> Ennio Morricone, right? Like so. If you know anything about film, anything about movies, you've heard of a little man, a little director named Sergio Leone or Cabucci, Corbucci. Obviously, Morricone did all those famous scores, the Dollars Trilogy, Once a Time in the West. I don't even have all the stuff here, right? So you've got Navajo Joe, The Hellbenders, Mercenary, The Great Silence from Corbucci. And we haven't done this in a while. Get ready to drink. He did the score for The Hateful Eight for Quentin Tarantino. Um, but also... Tarantino uses his stuff often in his films, specifically if you go and watch Inglorious Bastards, uh, the like, I think it's basically the theme song of the Bastards is the Algiers November 1954 uh, tr- song or arrangement by um, Ennio Morricone, which because I'm watching the film and I'm like, man, I fucking know this, that like, dun, dun. Dun, dun. I was like, I fucking know this from somewhere. So I, you know, th- do some Google searching and I'm like, bang, it's from Inglorious Bastards. And it's like, again, like the score in this is fucking fantastic. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like Morricone has like a massive, massive filmography as far as like a um, conductor or sorry, a composer. I don't know if he's done any bad work. Like, again, if, if you know some, like, bad Morricone Cor- Coney scores, let me know. Because, like, the guy has, like, the classic, like, the wah, wah, 
wah, wah, wah. that's him too. Like some of the most famous, he's like the Italian John <laughs> Williams. You know what I mean? That's him too. <laughs> <laughs> that was him too. That was him too. He did. He literally did that. Um, yeah. He's oh like, he's like God. the Italian John Williams. Actually, I don't know. I almost think he's bigger than John Williams. Like, because his stuff is like, Chris, go ahead, go ahead. Nobody's bigger than John Williams. Even John Williams nobody's, isn't bigger than John Williams. Nobody's bigger than John Williams. Nobody. Um, so did you, I'm assuming because you were getting, uh, you, you probably did not drag anybody else in to watch this film. No, no. Um, yeah, I, I, like when I saw it black and white, like everything, I, I knew it wouldn't be something that uh, the kids would listen to or watch. I tried to because they do go to French school and, was all in fucking French. I was like, listen, I don't need the fucking subtitles. I don't need to read this movie. You just you just act it out for me. I'm like, you be this guy, you be this guy. He says something, you say it in English to me. But they didn't want to do that for me. Um but yeah, like it was like yeah, it, it was good. Like it was good. I can see where like I said before, like I can see where all the acclaim is coming from because it is I will say it is one of those ones that it is like one engrossing because everything like especially when you find out after because even like we we're saying before like none of none of the new reels is it so spoiler the house of Ali Lapointe where you know they blow it up they reconstructed the house there to the precise site where his real house was and then fucking and then blew it up. It. <laughs> right like it just makes you think like back then like what kind of budget did italian filmmakers like fucking have well, where they're it, like we're just gonna build a the fucking house on a site like in a residential area just to fucking blow it up so and again um maybe our producer can do run these numbers while we're chatting it had an eight hundred thousand dollar budget at the time it did 870 at the box office uh, so yeah, we'll get some inflation kind of numbers and figure out what this budget was. But yeah, this thing is, like I said, just like, so they used a lot of like non-actors. There's tons of background. Like again, like whether it's village people, city people, fucking entire French regiments marching down the street in full uniform. Like <laughs> they did an amazing job basically recreating this film. Like I cannot speak more or highly enough about like the set dressing and the art direction that goes into this film and again it's like yeah like go ahead go ahead i go was ahead. gonna say like to just compliment what you're saying it's like like you look at this like 19 well when was this film 60, 66 is when it 60, came out so i don't know it was probably yeah. shooting in 65 something like that yeah you, you look at these movies you look at like all the like cecil beat the mill movies and then you're just thinking to yourself like fucking peter jackson how the fuck did you have to cgi all those people in lord of the Rings? why couldn't you just get real works yeah like <laughs> you get people fucking dressed up like if these motherfuckers can do it <laughs> like three decades prior like fun now you feel kind of cheated they right? well, they have because it's, it's like they have an entire they have entire cities like that are full populated by people there's people in houses there's people at checkpoints there's all of this stuff happening like i couldn't even imagine wrangling all that background like it would have been a fucking nightmare and it feels so real. Like I know yeah. we keep saying this and we keep saying it and it's like, you know, that cinema verite style and blah, blah, blah. But like go watch this fucking movie and you cannot help but be impressed at all. And I love 
black and white from that time, that high quality black and white, where you just like, you forget that you're not watching a color film. Like it's, it's not, it, you're not like, oh man, this is in black and white. Like you get immersed in it. It's like Schindler's List. You very quickly forget that it's in black and white because it's so well lit and composed because that's like, they, they, they were not fucking around. Like these are very professional people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and that's the thing. I think in reality, like if it was in color, right? Like with the amount of bloodshed and all that shit they would have to have done, it would have um, probably like not have been released at all. Cause especially if everybody like looking at it now feels documentary style, it's like, you're pretty much going to be watching a snuff film kind of thing. If it was in color, watching all that blood spray and, that shit right yeah 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 um yeah like i said i can not speak like any like it i can only speak very highly of this film uh i definitely think that you should watch this this piece of cinema like it's fantastic um it's two hours i mean it's fine you like i don't feel like it it, it gets boring at any point they you know just the way the pacing is works really well there's great tension there's great tension around like whether it's the French, you know, coming in to try and clear the Casbahs, or you know that a bomb is going to go off in like a like a like a music cafe or something like that, and you're waiting for this stuff. Like they just, it's just such a great film as far as like from a filmmaking perspective. It's got a 99% from the critics, which is it's like why not just give it a fucking 100%? Like I should actually have gone through and found the like one asshole that was like. Blah, blah, blah. It was probably some guy like me, right? Some fucking prick like me was just like, this This film cannot have 100%. Uh, it's got a 95% from the audience, which I think is very impressive considering the subject matter, black and white film, 1966. Um, yeah, man. Like, I don't know if there's really anything else you want to talk about. Because uh, I, I, don't, I don't really want to get into, like, the nitty gritty of, like, the Battle of Algiers or the Battle for Algeria. Um, because... A, this podcast would then be super, super long, and I am not an expert on those subjects, and I will fuck that up. And again, with what's going on in the world right now, I, I really don't want to, like, step in any of those conversations. And that is our wrap for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. If you want to get a hold of us, reach us at the www.howdyoulikethatmovie.com. your guy his name is tony medley from totally tony medley.com who gave this not the tomato but this whatever it is what's the bad one isn't it a rotten tomato <laughs> isn't that sure isn't that what it is like it looks like green jizz i don't, I don't know it looks <laughs> like a green green fucking cup shot but it goes this was his review ready it was back in 2004 this film has received a lot of praise from critics, but not that many people will find this that entertaining. And that was it. <laughs> so he gave it five out of ten. So he was you. Which... He was like, I watched this movie about this anti-war film and it wasn't entertaining enough. So he was the Scott, not the Chris. That's that's fantastic. 
Production by Rod Shaver, Fader Monkey Productions.